Welcome to Y11 Audio. This is Ypsilanti's College Football Podcast. You can read Ypsilanti's College Football Newsletter at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. And thank you for, man, man, we made it. We made it to the start of the season, kind of. We're almost there. We're like right there. We're right there. We're close enough. We've seen some of the good vibes pour in for, you know, different reasons. Guys are doing well in the NFL, speaking for EMU players here, of course. Guys are doing well in the NFL. Some undrafted rookies, namely Dylan Drummond, are impressing. Draft picks are getting on the field, starting in their first opening preseason games as rookies. Max Crosby's still doing his thing. Andrew Wiley just got paid. Matt Sexton just got another, another chance in the NFL. And especially after the big story of Brian Dooley returning right tackle, team captain, gave his scholarship to Zach Conti, a story that has not gone stale. Like, that is not a story that we're going to get bored of or annoyed of. Maybe we don't want to keep repeating it all the time, right? But the feeling from that is not going to go away. That's going to stay with those men forever and with this community of EMU fans that actually really care about that move more than just a feel-good moment that we scrolled through on Twitter. I think that's going to last. I think that's a moment that's going to last. It's going to define this program as much as all the other on-field success that this program's been starting to bring, especially heading into year 10 of Chris Creighton here. And what a good job he's done. What a great job he's done. Ipsy11.com. You'll find a bunch of written content there, picking things up, especially more with the season being right around the corner. I just took my final vacation for the summer, so I don't have that to look forward to anymore. Now it's just getting through the season, getting through December. Tons of written content up on the newsletter. More to come with the podcasting, like I've tweeted out before at Ipsy11. 11 with an E. Well, a couple of E's, actually. We're shooting for twice a week here. We're shooting for twice a week moving forward, ideally Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right now, I have it written down that Tuesdays are going to be like a solo dolo deal. Just me, one man, one mic, and a whole bunch of topics. Maybe a topic, maybe three topics. I don't know. The format will change. But essentially, me, a mic, and things to talk about. EMU-related, Mac-related, college football-related, whatever the case may be. And then Thursdays, I kind of want to change up the format. Maybe that's where I'm going to get some help on. Maybe you're going to hear the voice of Justin Coffin later. He helps break down the Mac East and Mac West races for this episode and Tuesday's episode next week. We already recorded those last night. Maybe have him on. Maybe have some other Mac friends hop on. Maybe, I don't know, reach out to people in the media. Thursdays, I want to open up the space to do some interviews, maybe do some Q&A. Maybe just simply read the news, you know, get out of my tunnel vision of like, hey, here's the thing that's going wrong with EMU's interior offensive line. And this is why it's just so demoralizing to watch. And I'm tired of, you know, inconsistent play right there. Things have to pick up there. That's more of like a Tuesday conversation. Thursday, maybe read the news, kind of react to what's going on in the pack four, etc. This season, I also kind of want to try another thing. Maybe we're going to do three podcasts a week. Maybe I'm thinking about adding in just a quick 
I don't know, let's call it an eight to 10 minute reaction show right after the games, after, you know, I already published my written content for game recap, maybe just a quick little reaction show. You know, you don't need like a whole 20, 30 minutes, you know, to squeeze in on your Sunday or whatever, but you know, just a couple minutes, a little quick hitter on thoughts and reactions to what happened in the Eastern game from the day of or the night before, whatever the case may be. I don't know. Putting that putting that on the table, maybe. Also, one more thing on the website. So you already know about the written content. Obviously, if you're a subscriber, things will get emailed to you. Uh, definitely a great way to support everything that I'm doing. Whether you're paying for it, whether you're just doing a free sign up, I still love all the subscribers. I still love, you know, all you know, all the help that I can get is greatly appreciated. You'll get a lot of the written content and this podcast like these in your email. But what won't always pop up is whatever I put in the notes tab. Uh, you actually have to like go to the website or actually like use the app, the Substack app, to kind of access that and kind of interact with whatever I say there. But the notes tab is essentially the way I'm using it, kind of just like a faux Twitter. I have no idea what the future of that platform is going to be. I'm not really on Facebook. I shouldn't say not really. I haven't been on Facebook in like six years, maybe seven. Thought about signing up again, but I'm just not there yet. I don't really feel like signing up for more social media, more social media and all that stuff. Substack has the notes tab. I'm just going to use that, just use that as like my my college football sided Twitter, I guess, for the newsletter and just kind of have some conversations there. Maybe I have some running thoughts. Maybe I read something that I want to share, but I don't necessarily one want to use twitter two need to use twitter three feel like uh twitter's gonna be around for much longer because you know it was already going in a bad direction but then yesterday they took away tweet deck and then put that behind a paywall that's that's gonna ruin so many industries more than just the journalist one that's gonna ruin so many industries i shouldn't say ruin but it's definitely gonna complicate things and twitter's not going to be a great tool, a great source, a great place to hang out anymore. It's been deteriorating slowly. I think the tweet deck going away is just really, really going to uh, have irreversible effects to the platform. So I'm still on Twitter personally and this brand, but until then, until I really feel confident in just like tweeting more and tweeting more, because that was like a weak game, right? That's a weak part of my game where I'm not tweeting enough. I'm not getting enough traction on that, which is fine. You know, I I chose not to tweet so much. I kind of gave up on it a few years ago when I just wasn't loving it anymore. But now I need to channel this energy into something. It's not always going to be into posts. Sometimes it's just going to be in the notes. I think that'll, yeah, I think that about covers it. Those are just, you know, some light plans that I have for the upcoming season. Hope you enjoyed that. You know, I'm really excited to get this season going. We're only a couple weeks away. Let's start previewing the 2023 season. Like I told you already, Justin Coffin of Hustle Belt fame, currently on Mac Football Pod, uh, which he and I do together with Caleb Carter, who is also formerly of Hustle Belt uh, and other projects. You know, Justin's a smart guy. He's always great to talk Maction with. We break down the Mac East race in this episode. Tuesday, you're going to hear our conversation of what we think will happen in the West or could happen in the West. 
dude, it's not going to be a three-team race. I don't think it's going to be just Toledo, Miami, and Ohio, and just that. I think there's arguments for more. It's not going to be easy for everybody. Some have better schedules than others. But it's not going to be just a three-team race this year for the MAC title. The top end for both of these divisions are very, very, very fun. So I'm excited to see what happens when all these guys get to there get together. Uh, speaking of guys getting together, let's let's just play it. Let's just play my conversation with Justin. And to preview the MAC East is uh, Justin Coffin. I got him. I stole him. Uh, formerly of Hustle Belt fame. Uh, now he's the lead campfire starter over at Mac Football Pod with a couple of his friends. Justin, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. It is a fabulous. Uh, is it Wednesday? I'm I'm losing. I, I don't know, man. I just got back from vacation last week, and uh, I'm still not. Still not. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel that it is Wednesday. I checked my phone, and my phone never lies. Yeah, sources say Wednesday. Uh, we are looking at the Mac East. Let we're just gonna go. Team by team by team. I got a little bit of notes that I want to say, and then we will just go back and forth and just kind of go down the line. I have uh, the teams ranked in order by how many in-conference wins the current coach of the team has. So it's not based on last year's record. It's just by how how many wins the coach has picked up in MAC play. Fun order to go. Uh, But it doesn't matter because either way we'd be starting with Kent State. Kent State. Uh, which is going through a coaching change, hires in Kenny Burns, his first coaching job. Last year, Kent State went 5-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in MAC play. Uh, over the last five full seasons, so since 2017, not counting the 2020 year, uh, Kent State's gone 23-40, and 17-23 and 23 in MAC play. So, you know, pretty good job that Sean Lewis did. Uh, obviously, it's one of the hardest jobs in FBS football. My big thing on Kent State this year, um, this isn't in, in the note, actually. I need to start with this. They don't have a single returning, starting offensive lineman from last season. So good luck with that. Um, but outside of that, you know, if the quarterback play is, like, pretty competent and if the defense can figure out how to make some stops, um, I don't know. Maybe this is a good team that can be strong in November. Uh, until then, I don't know where they're going to get a win on this on this slate they might even they might even lose their fcs game to central Kentucky, central connecticut they might even do that i don't know but i I really don't see any wins here it's very hard to find you kind of undersold the uh returning starter problem they have no returning offensive starters uh, period (laughs) it's not just the offensive line um it i guess like I don't want to like beat a dead horse on like Kent State's going to be bad because they only have four total returning starters uh, on the entire team. But I guess if you're looking for something in in the realm of optimism, it's that you do have a lot of transfers. They could be good. They could be fine. They could uh, pick up the FCS win for you, get some things figured out. Um, who knows how good Akron and Bowling Green are going to be. So like the optimist case for Kent state going three and nine is basically that is, can you steal those two games and win your FCS game? Um, 
really tough non-conference schedule let me, uh, as I, it let always me go, is for them. Let me go down the schedule for you. Uh, at UCF, at Arkansas versus Central Connecticut, at Fresno State, That's all that is tough. That All that's tough. Uh, yeah. Mac play, home to Miami, at Ohio, at EMU, home to Buffalo, at Akron, versus Bowling Green, at Ball State, and then versus NIU. Um, yeah, so I don't the, the, I don't know if there's like a lot of confidence in Kent State just in the way this this schedule is constructed. You know, if they can get some wins, it'll maybe come early. I don't think the teams that they play like at the end of the year, you know, especially the last three Bowling Green, Ball State, NIU. I don't think they're going to be particularly strong, and I think that Kent State can be like motivated at a point to where like you know, hey, if you know. If the vibes are good enough at Kent State and more people don't want to transfer out like they had this past year, you know I could see Kent State being good in November, but I have no idea what that looks like, so I can't, I can't, I can't predict a win at all after Central Connecticut, and even then I'm not going to do it. No, there's this is a profoundly difficult team to preview. <laughs> um, I I guess the only thing is. I think the strangest thing about the Kenny Birds hire is that it it seems to be a departure from what, yeah. um, you know, I think Kent State's AD came out after Sean Lewis left for Colorado and basically said, we love, you know, what Sean's built here. We love the, um, the flash fast stuff. Like we want to keep with that. And I mean, he coached for six years under PJ Fleck. He's a running backs guy it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, right? Am I, am I off base for thinking that? Like, it seems like there's going to be a little bit more pounding the rock going on. Yeah, I mean, Kent. that's definitely, like, what he wants to bring to the table, Kenny Burns. You know, he's the running back guy. Um, I think the coaching staff that he's built around him is pretty good. Like, he was able to keep Colin Farrell, who this is the third head coach, I think, that he's worked for in, as, you know, as an alumnus working for his, you know, his old football team. Uh, assistant head coach now. I don't know, man. It's and plus, like they still have they have like a few other holdovers from the Lewis staff too. Like Matt Johnson, he's the offensive coordinator too. C.J. Cox, cornerbacks coach. I don't know, man. It's I, there's a lot Matt of Johnson there's a lot thing. of good know how. I like I like the brain trust <laughs> at Kent State, but the roster to me is just not there yet. Yeah, the next Bowling Green head coach. Matt Johnson <laughs> uh, thing makes it pretty interesting because, um, you know, obviously played for Dino Babers, so maybe they will still play that kind of up-tempo style. Like, I have no idea. I'm having a hard time, like, fitting Matt Johnson and, like, PJ Flex offenses together in my head. Like, they just don't match up. And that's not to say that, like, you are going to run the exact same thing that of the person that you worked for. But, like, I, I'm just very interested to see what any of this looks like. Uh, in that regard i'm excited for the wagon wheel game like no bs it should be really good you know i think and we're gonna get to this team in a little bit akron but uh you know what let's just do that right now last year akron went two and ten in their first year under joe moorhead one and seven in mac play over the last five full seasons again no 2020 uh 15 and 47 10 and 30 in mac play sounds exactly like akron uh, but if you look at the schedule, there's a five and seven season like waiting for them. Like 
easy. Like it's not that hard to imagine that. Um, and this is with like optimism heading in Joe Moorhead's way and optimism in, you know, the players that they were able to bring in, in the transfer portal and optimism that DJ irons is going to hit in year three of being in the system. I mean, last year he showed that he was pretty incredible as an athlete. So if all these newcomers and all the good juices keep flowing in, if everything is more positive than negative, maybe this is a seven and five team. I, I don't know, but I just don't expect many wins to happen in the trenches, especially at O-line for Akron. So I think that's going to like set them back some. But still, I mean, five and seven, seven and five. I mean, that's not like a bad window to be in heading into the year. No, it's not. And I, um, I like where your head's at because I'm uh, firmly on the like Akron hype train. And for what it's worth, like the Akron hype train was like, if they get to four wins, I'm feeling like really good about it. One of the better two and 10 teams at the end of the year last year that I think I've ever seen. They probably should have won that Buffalo game. They clobbered Northern Illinois. <laughs> um, a they bad, gave Eastern bad, Mich- bad, bad N- NIU team. But they still did it. Very, 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 very bad NIU team, right? And let's um, not forget like but- the drama of that that Buffalo game too, where like that oh was my- the same week as uh, as the, the MAC championship game, like the day before. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the day before. Um, like played like the I got on Friday morning. Or something like that. So it was good. very strange. Um, should have won. They probably should have won that game. Uh, it's. I'm, we'll talk about Buffalo too, but it's very interesting, like how the vibes shifted around that Buffalo team by virtue of them winning that game, and they got to go on and win their bowl game and all of that. But like, that should have been Akron's glory and kind of like a, you know, every team that's on the come up kind of has that moment where it's like, okay, th- there's something actually brewing here. But they took a, a six point loss to Eastern Michigan last year another six-point loss in the wagon wheel game. There's no reason to think that this team as currently constructed can't win five games. I'm super excited about DJ Irons. There was one point last year where he was pretty low in terms of usage rate relative to the rest of the conference, but he was actually pretty high on like EPA per play. Um, and whether you're an analytics person or not, just know that that's, that means that there's probably some wiggle room to use him some more. And towards the end of the season, you know, obviously he had the injury, so it wasn't able to happen. I think they might be able to turn him loose this year. I'm really, really excited. We know it's a Joe Moorhead offense. We know there's going to be a lot of mobility from the quarterback position. This is going to be an exciting team to watch, I think. If they can, like, just create explosiveness out of the running back position this year, because I feel like they added, like, a few talents the past couple of years in there. Uh, Clyde Price last year of Kansas State. He, he was pretty good. This year is going to be really, really big with Lorenzo Lingard. That's that's a name you got to like circle and highlight. Um, We've seen this. Ha- it's funny. Sometimes these transfers happen and they don't work out. Okay, um, so everybody's a Robbie Rhodes. Everybody has to be Robbie Rhodes. <laughs> um, or who or the, you can who get was the quarterback the, um, that transferred from Washington to Central Michigan. Who was that? From Washington? Yeah, he was a like a um this is like very, very recently, like within the past like five years, man. You, you uh, know, yeah, that's an eternity in college you, football you years, talk, though. You do your talking and I will do the <clears throat> Googling right now. All right. Um but Lorenzo Lingard, um, if you don't know, has um he was very, very highly touted recruit, ended up at Miami, um, had a pretty nasty knee injury wasn't really able to get on the field for Florida. Um, in recent years, younger backs kind of took 
over um, for him at that point. So he's kind of really seeking out an opportunity. I think this is his fifth year of eligibility. He's been around for a while. Um, and this will be a chance for him to kind of showcase his talent. If even 70% of the the talent he had coming out of high school is still there, um, they're going to have that explosiveness in the backfield that you're talking about um, and could make them really, really dangerous. The name is Jacob Sermon. Oh, very nice. Um, who was the um, – I am blanking on the name of the running back that transferred from Kentucky to Toledo um, and had a couple Brian, of really, really good seasons. Brian Kobeck. Brian Kobeck. Yes, not Kobeck Bryant, as we were known to say. Yeah. Uh, on I'll, I'll, I'll take the loss on that. I'll take the yeah. loss on that. that that's, a, no. that's a hard one. But um, he was very good. So if this transfer works out in, in the way that did, um, then Akron's going to be in really good shape. I said five and seven's on the table. Let me just read the schedule. At Temple versus Morgan State. That's probably two and all right there. At Kentucky, at Indiana, who knows, uh, versus Buffalo, versus NIU, at CMU, at Bowling Green, versus Kent State, at Miami, at Eastern, versus Ohio. So those last three games of the year, tough. Tough to do. At Miami, at Eastern, versus Ohio, tough. Uh, I don't know. But the max schedule leading up to it, I don't I don't know, man. You, lot, lots of damage that you could do there. Uh, and if... If everything is as good as you want it to be, that Buffalo game is going to be a big one for Akron. And like if you beat Buffalo early on in the year, it's still September technically. I mean, lots of optimism can go your way. And you're looking at a bowl season. Uh, yeah, you definitely need that. I mean, or they could just beat NIU again. They don't even need the Buffalo game. That's true. Yeah, they could, they could just like, <laughs> they could wait. You're right. I love the schedule because I can get them to um, I can get them to a bowl game before they even play Miami on November 8th. <laughs> well, yeah, th- I mean, that's where you're going to want to because, like, it's going to be tough to find that sixth win if you still need one after Miami. That's because, like, I don't have them winning a game after that either. No, you could talk me into them beating Temple Morgan State and then winning three in mm-hmm. a row, four in a row, NIU Central, BG, and Kent State. That's where Yeah, I- why not? Yeah, on my sheet, if if you're following along at home, uh, ipsy11.com, there's, like, a notes tab. I've been, like, every day just posting, like, you know, here's my win-loss record prediction and, like, game-by-game picks. Um, not that I'm 100% confident, but it's just what I'm going with. You're reading my mind totally. I have them starting 2-0 and there and then having a three-win stretch, uh, Central, Bowling Green, Kent State, you know, easy picks there. But, I, yeah, vibes-wise, and I use a toss-up for me. I don't know. I'm just life like, is too short not to buy into Akron Zips football. And I'm gonna hold my breath in those November games. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> do. Buffalo, we're going with you next. Uh, under Maurice Linguist, uh, eleven and fourteen overall, seven and nine in MAC play. So not too bad already. That's that's actually a really good start. That's not easy to do for, you know, a new first time head coach at the MAC level. Yeah, sure. Like Lance Leipold built it up, but like whatever whatever you're still in buffalo uh last year's record you guys went seven and six five and three in mac play over the last five full seasons 35 and 29 overall 23 and 17 in mac play Uh, my big thing about buffalo buffalo is going to be ready to play this year like they they came out swinging last year and i definitely saw it firsthand with a 50 burger at ryan earson like you don't want to like you don't want to sleep on them um for as good as they were last year, I don't really love the quarterback play. 
if it doesn't totally improve, it's going to be really hard for me to buy into Buffalo even more. Um, and I don't know how quickly linguists can fill in all the gaps that just like happened to spurt up at the end of last year and through the winter, especially at wide receiver. If he can fill the gaps, then it's going to be great. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know. But I did like what I saw last year. Does Buffalo have like a November problem? And I say that because I'm looking back. My my notes on Buffalo say that like this team is like better than you remember. They're much closer to have they they have been much closer to being very good um, than you might think. If you look back to 2021, they had a three point. Remember that three point loss to Coastal? Yeah, um, that was kind of surprising on the heels of getting you know handled pretty easily by Nebraska. They only lose by seven to a. Uh, Western Michigan team that had beaten Pitt just the week prior. Um, uh, just a 10-point loss to Kent State. Um, another close one with Bowling Green. Um, an overtime loss to Northern Illinois. But they have only won one game out of the final four games of the season in the last two years. And that was that Akron game we talked about. Had they lost that Akron game, they'd be 0-8 in the final third of the, se- the regular season. In the last two years under Molinguist. It's something to look out for. They've got to put it all together. And an FCS loss. Yes. Um, Yes. Um, And to a very good Holy Cross team, I might add. But I don't care. After they turned Toledo over five times um, and won that game, I think we kind of crowned them Mackey's champions. It was right before Ohio kind of turned it on the final four or five weeks of the season. People's Um, out. Yep. For me, and I know I've said this on Mac Football Pod as well, is like I just kind of want to see that they can beat some folks without having to turn them over a ton. Because I think that Toledo win is carrying a lot of weight mm-hmm. for like the perception on this team. Um, and it was just a very, very weird fourth quarter. Um, not to undersell it, like Marcus Fuqua's so goddamn cool mm-hmm. oh <laughs> like, yeah and like the, the so defense much. is going to be really good he's going to be a yeah. great leader for this defense and that's why like you should buy optimism into buffalo like it's so easy for us to like you know let offense drive the way we think about these teams because you know it, it is what it is but you know d- we're not trying to like short buffalo's defense either like we know that they have playmakers fuqua like you just said is incredible also he's from detroit um I don't know, man. Like, if, if Buffalo is going to be, like, in games, yeah, defense is going to be a part of it. But I am just so unsure if the offense is going to be what's necessary to get to Detroit or win the dang thing. They're replacing basically all of their wide receiver production from last year. Um, I know that they like to hit the portal a lot, but with the portal um, – it's kind of, it's still kind of an unknown world. I, I I don't have a good gauge on like whether teams are hitting in the portal or not until until you know, Tommy's leather. Bowling Green this is the team that we've been waiting for, of course. Uh, under Scott Loeffler, who just got a contract extension uh, this past year. Uh, what's his overall? What's his record at Bowling Green? Of course, thirteen and twenty nine. 9 and twenty in MAC play. Last year, the team went six and seven, made it to a bowl game. Still can't believe it. Five and three in MAC play. Still can't believe that. Uh, over the last five full seasons, 
Bowling Green's gone, and this includes the Jinx here, 18 and 43, 13 and 20 in Mac play. Um, did we really have to give Scott Loeffler an extension? Like, I'm, I'm still, I, I hate being hung up on something that I read, you know, when the snow was falling. But I'm still hung up on the fact that, why does Kyle Loeffler get an extension? I don't know how much of a real, like, you know, hey, we really, really trust you move that was. As much as it was like, hey, recruits need to read that we gave you a contract extension, even though it's not worth a ton of money. But still, did you have to? Did we, did you really have to? Yeah, I think it, it costs a lot to um, get a new head coach. Uh, and very risky if you get it wrong, which BG has done very recently in a very big way. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty no risk contract extension. Um, I mean like WMU extended Tim Lester and then fired him a year later and things like that. I'm not saying that's necessarily where Loeffler's headed here, but, uh, it's, you can't like, you can't Paul hands him and just like let the contract expire because, in a literal sense, you are seeing progress. This will be his fifth season here. They are improving if you toss out the COVID year, at least on the wins and losses, which I guess is all that really matters. I'm going to say a lot of bad things about Bowling Green, so I want to say something really nice about them, which is that they have my uh, favorite wide receiver in the conference coming back in Odio Hilaire. Um same. He's going to be so, so fun. Uh, one point that I know um, that you like to make sure people don't overlook is that Terion Stewart is back. Thank you. Um, unexpected. Um, you know, um, I don't know the full situation around it, but elected not to play last year, but he's back. Um, he's very, very I think, good. I think it was academically ineligible. I think that's what it was. I don't want to like... Uh, yeah, I did just say it, but like I really do think it was academic eligibility. If I'm wrong, I'll edit this out. Yeah, that's right. You have that power. Um, he's fantastic. I do think that I don't know that they upgraded at the quarterback position. I I do think that like as far as portal guys go, Connor Bazelak's pretty good one to get. Um, former SEC freshman of the year. Hey, why not? Right? Like they made it work with Matt McDonald, so. I don't see any reason why they can't make it work with Connor Bazelak. Um, So offensively, I think this team's going to be fine. That's a good thing that I can say about it. The rest is that you went six and six with like a senior heavy defense and one of probably the best defensive player in the Mac and Carl Brooks, at least the most NFL ready as far as I could see at that position. Um, And that was kind of the best that you could do. I think the season that BG had last year was very much like they might need to be in for another year, maybe two of like kind of reloading this thing <laughs> to take another run at it. Um, so if you want to talk about extending Scott Loeffler, that could be a reason to do it. If you like what you see and you're willing to wait until 2025, then okay. Um, I just, I don't see it here like defensively um, for them, even if they are going to be improved on the offensive side of the ball. Well, all they have to do is just like get rid of Brian Van Gorder again, right? Just just get rid of him again. Hire him and fire him. Hire him and fire him. Um, that that will fix everything that ails you. Um, they had a really good middle of the season last year. Um, there was a lot to like about what they did, but they just played in a ton of close games, man. And I think they 
didn't quite have the same success that like the 2021 NIU team did, but it, it kind of reminds me of that in a little bit where everybody, everybody knows what they saw, right? They saw them scrape out against a bad Western Michigan team. They saw them scrape out against Miami. They saw them eke by Akron, at, who at that point wasn't the Akron that we talked about previously. At the end of the season, it was not a very good version of Akron. Like we know what we saw and we don't want to get caught up in thinking that that's going to translate year over year. It's very, very tough to win that many close games. And, you know, they had a shot at Ohio's backup quarterback at the end of the year and they, they kind of didn't show up. So. Uh, we forgot to do it with Buffalo. So we'll have to do it right after this, but Bowling Green, um, I have them at three and nine this year. Yeah. Only like one non-con win. And then the other wins coming uh, right after in, in November, actually, like um, there, I have them going one and one and then one, two, three, four, five, six straight losses before they beat Ball State and before they beat Kent State. Two and six, two and six in Mac play for Bowling Green. But yeah, their schedule at Liberty versus EIU at Michigan with or without Harbaugh home against Ohio at Georgia Tech at Miami at Buffalo, at or not at versus Akron versus Ball State, at Kent State versus Toledo, and then finishes up the year um, at Western Michigan. Uh, for Buffalo, let's just do that really quickly since I did forget to do that. Uh, and it, it's a crime. It's a crime because they actually have like a really really fun schedule to look at. At Wisconsin, I'm sold. I'm already sold. Um, versus versus Fordham, versus Liberty, at Louisiana, at Akron versus Central Michigan versus Bowling Green at Kent State incredibly favorable front half of the max schedule and then Halloween hits and then you're dead at Toledo versus Ohio at Miami versus Eastern Michigan to end the year uh, so for Buffalo I had them going six and six four and four in Mac play I can definitely be swayed you know for a couple more wins but I, I don't really see them going better than eight and four this year yeah that feels totally fair for them I think they're like the biggest toss-up team, honestly. Um, yeah, you can talk me into four and eight and eight and four, like with with like easily. But like they'll be the same team in both of those scenarios, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could show me like every you could send me sixteen weeks in the future and be like, here's all Buffalo stats. What was their record? You could you could you could talk me in either one. Listen, I've seen plenty of wins with a thirty nine percent chance win probability. So I don't I, – I couldn't be surprised. I couldn't be surprised. Uh, you thought I was going to go Miami. Nope, Ohio. Ohio's next because under Tim Albin, 13-13 and 13 as a head coach, 10-6 uh, and six in MAC play. Last year they went 10-4 and four overall, 7-1 and one in MAC play. The only loss was to Kent State. Weird game. Over the last five full seasons, which does include Frank Solich, 38-27 uh, and 27 overall, 26-14 and 14 in MAC play. My big thing for Ohio, and it's just a simple question, what is stopping Ohio from having the best statistical max season on offense that we have seen? Uh, well, th- uh, themselves? I don't know. There's no reason <laughs> to expect. Who is the – who are you using as the benchmark? Uh, you know, Is what? it the 2015 Bowling Green team? I'm going to have to like actually go back and do like real research because I didn't like jot down and see like what that actually is. But you know yeah. what? Yeah. Like I, I think it's, it's got or be like the, or the Jordan Lynch NIU teams. A, a comment like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't one care about those the exact like the number. I want to know, like, in your team. head when you're like, is this going to be the best offensive team we've seen? Like, who do you, like, which okay. team pops in your okay. head? Okay. All right. I'm comparing it to, yes. All right. So I'm going to say a mix of, like, 15 Bowling Green and 17 Toledo. Because, okay. because like, they have the aerial attack to actually match and be comparable. I can't really compare Jordan Lynch and Curtis Ork together. 2017 is actually a really good place to start because that Ohio team was featuring Nathan Rourke was fantastic on offense. So I think if you start there and say, is this team going to be better offensively than that team, which was like only slightly worse than that really good Toledo team? Yeah, I think for sure. Uh, I think Curtis Rourke's a star, man. I, I don't remember the last time I saw, I think we talked about this last year during Maction. I don't remember the last time I've seen like an injured Mac player get so much interview time in the middle of a game during Maction. Like, yeah. He is, I don't know, he's primed for a huge year, provided the injury hasn't like impacted him in any significant way. I think Jacoby Jones at wide receiver is primed for a massive year. A lot of the focus will be on Sam Wigless, but like Jones is going to be fantastic. Is there a game on the schedule where they, how many games on the schedule could they not score 40 points in? Like 0% chance they would score 40 points. Ooh. Uh, I mean, San Diego State, because when you play them, it's, you know, yeah, cumulative score of 20. Um, but like, that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, FAU, it's, yeah, it's going to happen there. <laughs> Iowa State, maybe just because I'm, I'm saying, like, even if they have a respect. 15% chance of scoring 40 points, that still counts. Like, mm-hmm. the only game where I'm certain they won't score 40 is this week zero game in yeah. 10 days against San Diego yeah. State. Also, it's hot. Yeah. Well, it's not in San Diego. It's it's on the road. It's on the road, but it's not hot. Don't they have like don't doesn't their stadium have like a problem with like overheating just because like there's no like shade at all? I don't know. Maybe it'll be. Uh, a mo- I guess they could like with the turf, but I just San Diego is just such a pleasant place weather wise. Uh, their schedule. Hey, thanks for asking. At San Diego State in Week Zero versus Long Island University, the best logo in sports. At FAU. Versus Iowa State at Bowling Green versus Kent State at NIU versus Western Michigan versus Miami at Buffalo versus Central Michigan and then at Akron to end the year. Uh, very favorable schedule just for existing in the MAC East and you don't have to play yourself. Uh, the crossover games, based on last year, you really can't ask for a better draw. Um, it's all set up for Ohio. I also want to say, like, Ohio's got. Here, here's the best perk of Ohio schedule and, you know, deal with whatever you have to deal with in week zero, win, don't win, whatever. But because you do that, you have like a week five buy and you also have like that. Everybody has like the fake buy on like week nine, week 10, but it's just like mm-hmm. an extra like couple days off. They still get that. So they have, you know, the buy that everybody's like obliged to get. And then they also have one in week five. A really cool note from the Phil Steele mag, like on that point, Ohio is the only Mac school that does not have to play consecutive away games at any point this season. And also, they will not play a single game on less than a full week's rest. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the season is theirs. Like, it's it's being gift-wrapped to them. I have, uh, for my win-loss predicts, I have them at 10-2, and 7-1 uh, in Mac play. The only loss I'm going to give them is NIU. Why? Hey man, just because everybody deserves to you know trip over their own feet once, and Ohio did last year. 
You know, at that point in the year, that's when they lost their games. So I don't see why that would be, you know, such a bad thing to pick. Also, it's NIU on the road. So, yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite part of a 10-2 and two prediction for them is that uh, that means that they have beaten one of San Diego State or Iowa State. I got both. I got them and I have them with both. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, the only uh, non-con loss I gave them was uh, Florida Atlantic. Hmm. I'm giving uh, Tom Herman some respect. Only if he's an underdog. Miami to finish up the uh, the East race preview, led by Chuck Martin, who's in. Yeah, you. Can, that's right. You're ten. You're ten. Uh, you're ten as the head coach. What's his record with Miami? It's exactly what you think it is: forty and forty, thirty-three and eighteen in MAC play. Last year, the team went six and seven overall, four and four in MAC play. Yeah, like I said. Um, last five full seasons at Miami, it's exactly what you think it is. 32 and 32. That's right. Uh, 25 and 15 in Mac play. Here's the thing with Miami and it's as short and simple as it's going to get. And this is the only logic that you need to just like pick your wins and losses for how my, how Miami is going to do this year. It's year four of Brett Gabbert plus year 10 of the defensive-minded Chuck Martin. Something's got to give. Was Chuck Martin an offensive line guy, like, historically? Yeah. I think he was a center at Indiana, right? No, 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 I'm getting him. Nope, nope, I'm getting him mixed up with uh, the <laughs> Ron wrong Perry? coach. Damn it. Yeah. No, um, I remember he was a defensive guy at uh, Grand Valley. Now I'm going to look up his Wikipedia. Thanks okay. for doing this. I'll to, I'll you know what, you Thank would. You. you know what, I was doing so good. We were doing so good, and you're like, "Hey, let me let me see if I can get him mixed with the wrong coach it, with Rod Carey all people." You're looking at this too negatively. I think it only increases the bona fides as like a, a Mac football podcast that Rod Carey got mentioned without doing it on purpose. Okay, yeah, he was he's a defensive minded guy, and the last positional uh, job that he held before going to Miami was when he was at Notre Dame. He started as a defensive guy. Last couple of years, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. So, like, in his bones, this is a defensive guy. He's Yeah, he's a defensive guy, though. All, all of his other stops have been defense. This is a team I think we're both pretty high on. Um, I'm a little gun-shy because I was high on them last year. I guess I didn't know Brett Gabbert was going to get hurt in hindsight. I thought this was the team last season that was like most likely to make kind of like an improbable run if you wanted to like look for a New Year's Six team. Um, and they lost a lot of close games last year. I mean, they six-point loss to Western Michigan, which is two, two, tw- on two occasions they had the longest home win streak in FBS, and it was broken by Western Michigan on both times. Um, four point loss to Bowling Green, four point loss to Buffalo. Um, they were pretty strong against Kentucky until Gabbert got hurt. I think this is another team that's probably a little bit better than we remember last year. And now they're going to be fully healthy. They have a ton of returning starters, nine on defense. Um, I'm particularly excited to watch Matthew Salopec again. I'm glad that he's only a junior for whatever reason. I thought this would be his final season. Um, so hopefully he doesn't move on and he, he sticks around for a little bit, but, um, this team's always going to be solid on defense. You can pretty much put them down for seven wins. I know you'll go through the schedule. I'm curious to hear what you have them at, but they are just a model of consistency. So 
their floor is six and six at all times. And just the question is whether like, are we operating in a year where five and three is good enough to win the Mac East? I don't think we are just because of how good Ohio is, but can this team go seven and one um, is what I think will have to be done if they want to get back to Detroit. At Miami of Florida, at UMass, at Cincinnati versus Delaware State FCS. So the first like actual gimme like UMass, who, who knows, maybe uh, hopefully. Yeah, you, sh- you should definitely beat UMass. I did not know Delaware State had a football team. Uh, really? Oh, that's not true. I did know that. Didn't they like play at Western like last decade? Uh, Nichols did. I know Nichols. Did. Different, different end of the country. Th- thanks for reminding me. Maybe Nichols they did. played Western Michigan. What happened you, there? You know what's funny is I have, I have a friend that played basketball at Delaware State. So, like I really should know this, but maybe that's why I didn't associate them with a football team and then for the mac part uh you go at kent state versus bowling green at western michigan versus toledo at ohio versus akron versus buffalo and then at ball state to end the year uh you asked can they go seven and one yeah i got them going seven and one i got them going nine and three overall too i got them beating miami of florida to start out why because i'm crazy like that which of toledo and ohio do you have them beating which of Toledo and Ohio? I have them beating Toledo. I have them losing to Ohio. And so I would have two Mac East teams going 7-1. and one. Obviously, Ohio beats Miami, so they win the head-to-head. Ohio's only loss, like I said, is in crossover play. So, uh, But yeah, I, I, I can definitely be convinced of Miami beating Ohio. I can definitely be, be convinced of Miami. I don't know, man. I think they, I want like, to see if they. I think a lot of things right. can go either way, but I definitely think that they're going to have a really good year. It's just I can't not. I, I, I it's illegal for me to pick against the fourth year quarterback. It really is, and I was already like a big Gabbert believer to begin with. I always have been, even when I wasn't. I want to see if they can run the ball and take some pressure off of them. I want to see if I think Avion Smith is too good running the ball to not have him get some snaps, like designed snaps here. Take a little bit of pressure off of Gabbert. Um, if they can't get anything going with um, Kian Mosey, you know, in the traditional way, mm-hmm. I'd like to see if they get a little bit creative. This was last year, I think was one of the better seasons they had running the ball. And it was because it came from the quarterback position. And like, it may have accidentally unlocked <laughs> something in Chuck Martin after nine seasons. You're like, Oh, okay. Maybe this is what we could do instead of trying it the other way. Because um, he, the program definitely runs the ball like a defensive-minded coach would run the ball. <laughs> so that, I think, will be a big unlock for them uh, if they're able to finally do that effectively enough, um, take some pressure off the quarterback. 